0: Welcome to 10 Questions with Little Finn Swim School, an initiative by the leader to promote family businesses. Today you're in for a treat. Little Finn Swim School is owned by two families. None of the family members work in the business. Rather, the running is left to their trusted manager, Scott, who is not a family member. You wonder how do they do it? Well, it is a matter of shared values, good communication, and often over a lovely dinner. Enjoy the story welcome to our 10 questions with series where we are going to ask 10 questions to different family businesses we plan to educate empower and inspire your internal entrepreneurial spirit join me kirsten taylor martin and my daughter angelina martin as we uncover the wow factor in each business and together we can support our australian family businesses welcome back Today I'm with James, one of the family members who owns Little Finn Swim School, and Scott who manages the swim schools. So why don't we start with you telling me your family business story, and it's actually two family businesses, uh, including what family members are involved and what their roles are in the business.
1: Okay, well. As you said, there are we've got the two swim schools, one at Kiriwee and one at Bangor. Now, the first of those was uh, was at Kiriwee. We're two families, the Lisa and Matt Brown. Uh, we opened a business with them, uh, my wife and I, Anna and I. Um, we all had a bit of a passion for swimming, and uh, we started up that Kiriwee swim school about eight years ago. Um we now, uh, obviously Scott is our manager and Scott is the guru in terms of learn to swim so we defer to him on all the learn to swim matters and our roles are more uh, from a director sort of position. So more policy and leave the management to Scott. Uh, a few years after we started Kiriwi, an opportunity came up to open a business at Bangor. Uh, the same four adults were involved there but we also included an ex-manager, uh, Danny Fung, uh, who also had uh, has a lot of... Uh, experience in the industry, and so he is also a part owner at the Bangor uh, Little Fins Swim School.
0: Okay, so you have two different structures for your two different pools, swim we schools. We do,
1: yes, yeah. so they're, they're separate entities, yeah, different ABNs, yes.
0: So why don't you tell me your, your why? Uh, you mentioned that you all had a passion for swimming, but what were the different families your reasons for setting up the Little Fins Swim School?
1: Yeah, well, the Browns probably drove the situation. Matthew Brown was an elite swimmer himself. He represented the country, uh, loves swimming. He's actually a professional swimming coach. He's coached uh, he's coached swimmers to the to the highest level, um, and has been on numerous Australian teams himself. Uh, that's that's obviously coaching older older uh, swimmers. Uh, His wife, uh, Lisa Brown, also has been involved in uh, sports. She was a sports master at a school. She's now the deputy principal, actually, at a a private school in Sydney. Um, I grew up as a bit of a swimmer, nothing like math, and my wife is a physiotherapist who loves the water. She can't go a day without going to the water. So we're all very interested in swimming. Uh, The Browns always saw uh, Learn to Swim um, as something very, very valuable and something very, very important. Uh, A few of Matt's friends had swim schools themselves and it was something that he always wanted to do. Um, When we moved into the Sutherland Shire, I realised that there was a shortage of swim schools in that area. Um, My wife and I tried to get our our first son, Harry, into a swim school and found it very, very difficult to enrol in a swim school at a time that suited us and saw a bit of an opportunity there. Uh, So we, the long and the short of it is, we were able to find somebody who was happy to uh, purchase a property and build uh, a venue that we were able to then put a swimming pool inside and run our first swim school. So uh, a lot of things had to fall into place for it to happen. Uh, But it was basically uh, an idea of Matt and Lisa's that we jumped on board with and uh, saw the need and uh, the rest is history.
0: (laughs) So I was saying to Scott, I was a swimmer myself back in the day, so I was a breaststroker. So tell me, what were, what's Matt and your your choice event?
1: Okay, well, breaststrokers, they're the funny people. They're the ones who walk a little funny. Their feet <laughs> usually point outwards. They're usually very flexible. Yeah, I was going to uh, say Matt quite and I flexible. would def- <laughs> <laughs> Matt and I were definitely not breaststrokers. Matt was a, was an elite butterfly. He was also a very good freestyler. In fact, if anyone else watched him swim, they'd say he was good at every stroke. But he was an elite... Butterfly and almost qualified for the Commonwealth Games uh, as a butterfly. Um, I was more a uh, one lap freestyle sort of guy. Fifty metres freestyle. Anything further than that was was, was too far for me. But uh, no, I can't uh, I can't claim to be a swimmer when we're talking about Matt Brown. Matt was also very successful as a surf lifesaver and had a, he grew up in the Shire as well. His family were always from uh, the Shire and he, he had a huge association down at Cronulla and various surf clubs down there, um, and he's able to represent the country in surf life-saving as well. So, um, yeah, lots of connections with swimming, lots of connections with the Shire and, uh, and surf swimming as well.
0: Well, living in the Shire, learn to swim is something, you def- a skill set you definitely need.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think um, if you think of the skills that everybody learns, I mean, everybody goes to, to school uh, not everyone has violin lessons, not everyone learns how to speak French, but pretty much everyone in Australia, and particularly in the Shire, goes to swimming lessons. It's very hard to think of another activity that everybody does at some point in their life. I'm also a school teacher myself, and at my school, I, when we were thinking about setting up our first swim school, I used to survey the kids and say, well, who's been to, who had learned to swim lessons? How long did you have them for? And in all the times I asked the students, every single boy at my school had always, uh, every one of them had had swim lessons at some point in the past. And I think living in the Shire with the beautiful beaches close by, which are getting more and more busy, by the way, okay. but we won't talk about that, and the beautiful Port Hacking River um, and access to the south coast being uh, just down the road, really, uh, everyone, it's just essential. You couldn't live in the shower and not be able to swim. It would be uh, it would be pointless. So, yes, I think that added to the motivation.
0: So 2020, uh, Scott and I were having a little chat before we hit record. But how has it impacted your business?
1: Mm. Maybe Scott's better to answer that question. I suppose I would throw a few things in. It seems to have. Uh, given Scott an opportunity to really step back and think about how we deliver our lessons and how we can upskill our staff, how we can be more efficient. Um, obviously, swim swimming, unfortunately, is one of those things that you can't do online. You know, a lot of other activities, a lot of other schools were able to go to online or to go to takeaway or whatever the case may be. With swimming, learn to swim, we didn't have that option. Uh, so we did have a significant shutdown period Uh, that Scott was able to utilise to upskill the staff. Uh, What would you like to add there, Scott, in terms of how it's changed our business?
2: Um, I think it's
1: uh, just put a new perspective
2: on um, the importance of swimming in general, because when we came back from three months being off, a lot of children found it very difficult to get back into the rhythm. And it just showed how important ongoing swim lessons are to those children, because swimming is not like riding a bike you can't stop for a little while and then pick back pick back up where you left off you've got to keep it going for like week after week year after year it's not something that you ever stop learning Um, but if you do stop doing it you will regress you will find it difficult and challenging so um, I think from that point of view um, it's it's shown how important swimming throughout the winter period is Um, and as you said That that time that we were closed, we were able to to rewrite some training programs and uh, look at different ways to deliver our program and to retrain our staff and to upskill all our staff.
1: Yeah, Some negatives, I suppose, is it's uh, during the period it's meant that some parents have missed out on seeing some of their kids in swimming lessons, which is obviously such uh, a rewarding and valuable thing, not being allowed to have as many adults on the premises. Uh, has meant that the second parent has often missed out or the grandparent has missed out on watching their child develop. But in general, Scott, would you say that people have taken that fairly well and been quite understanding that perhaps we've got less lessons on so they'll have to come at times that maybe don't suit them as much and also that some of those parents would miss out on viewing their children?
2: Yeah, definitely. There's been, like, uh, we've had to ask the parents to make several sacrifices uh, as you said, only one parent allowed to come and watch. So um, it used to be a family event on the weekend where everyone would come and watch their, their children or their siblings swim, um, and we can't do that the same way. Um, and we have had to reduce our capacity, so less teachers on board. Uh, many, you know children have had to come later in the day or at different times. Um, but you can see the... Just the family support that Little Finns has is that all the parents have been willing to make those sacrifices, and they've been um, wanting to help us out as a as a local business and get back in as soon as they can. So it's been quite satisfying to to see that, and quite rewarding to see the parents so appreciative of what what we do.
0: Yeah. So my next question is, uh, what family values do you bring to the business? But I'm actually going to throw a curly question in there. I didn't tell you that I I add questions as I go along, (laughs) but um, it's quite interesting with your business because Scott not being a family member, but he's managing it. So I'm also interested in um, how do you communicate with Scott to ensure that the values that you and Matt have, he um, brings them to the business?
1: Oh, that's a good question, yes. And I suppose communication is the short answer and just... But back to the family values, before I address your second question there, um, both the Browns and us, and indeed Danny Fung over at Bangor as well, we all come from a, from a faith background. We're all Christians. So when we talked about opening a business, uh, not only family values was something that we wanted to make sure that we maintained within the business, we also wanted to make sure... Um, that as Christians we ran a business with integrity and honesty and generosity and we look for opportunities to help and serve others as well. Uh, I think that's why uh, having a business where we we are offering something that is a service, that is something that's needed, was very important to us. Uh, Obviously looking after staff and all of those things and and being uh, transparent uh, and honest are very, very important to us. Uh, in terms of Scott, it's all about communication. So we have regular meetings. Uh, they may or may not be around a nice meal at the uh, local restaurants, but we meet regularly with <laughs> with Scott. And that gives him the opportunity to uh, report back to us on uh, management issues, uh, on scheduling, on staffing issues, all of those sorts of things. And then we also get the opportunity to raise policy matters with Scott at those meetings, things that we may look to address to change in the future. Um, and we can talk about. There's always challenges that come up in these businesses, whether they're legal challenges or the lease style challenges, or their safety, or uh, restrictions that are changing. All of those sorts of things. So we need regular meetings um, where we both get the opportunity, both the owners and also Scott get the opportunity to share with each other. Um, but Scott is a is a great listener. We respect him. Uh, so much in terms of his knowledge uh, in, in terms of learn to swim. Before he worked with us, he worked with probably the leading learn to swim um, company in, in, in New South Wales and had won their employee of the year, I do believe, at one point. So we poached one of the best, which is good. So a lot of it for us is learning from him and being guided by Scott as to where he thinks uh, we need to go with the business.
0: Scott, do you want to add anything there or oh, no, let that one, <laughs> leave that one? Uh, so, if you were to give your younger self a tip, what would it be? All
1: right, well, I'll, I'll go first. I think when you were younger, when we started the business, I think we thought, well, I definitely thought that we could do anything, um, that we had the skills to be able to solve every single problem and we were a bit of a bull at the gate. I think if I was to give my younger self a tip, I think it would be to slow down and to get the help that we need in all the in all the areas that perhaps we're not an expert. You can't be an expert in absolutely every area of your business and over time we've realised that and we've been able to engage uh, experts in different things whether they're safety type things or legal type things or staffing matters to be able to help us to be able to deliver the best product, the safest product uh, that we can and also getting a really good manager. I mean, it's uh, Scott, as I keep saying, uh, is the absolute expert. And so, just taking time to make sure that we get that right person in the job who can guide us from a learn to swim perspective. But for me, it's about slowing down and acknowledging that you don't know everything, that there's so much to learn, there's so much to learn from other people who have been successful. And, And listening and engaging those other people and those other experts to make sure Uh, that your business
0: is a success okay now i'm going to hand over to scott
2: um i think that the tip that i would give to myself is just to um like james said slow down but just take every moment as a teachable moment so even though things might be difficult or stressful or a bit confusing you will learn from it you will grow from it and not to dwell on things um, you know, if if something happens and, and something unexpected comes up, next time it happens, you'll know what to do or, you know, you'll know how to move forward and just keep improving. So don't dwell on things that happen, but just think everything will make you a better person, a better manager, a better teacher. Um, everything is just aiming forward and moving forward.
0: Well, I'm going to give you both a pat on the back because it is really hard for family businesses to bring someone in to manage their business. Uh, and how many years did you say you've been with us? Five years now. So um, quite an achievement. Um, so you've really done well with the whole communication piece because it, it is really difficult, particularly as an owner when you've got a vision on what you want something to look like. It's very hard to get the right person in that believes in what you're trying to achieve.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: So, what are the future plans for Little Fin Swim School?
1: <laughs> Look, we we want to keep delivering the best possible product we can. We want to keep uh, producing lots of kids who have a love for swimming, who are safe in the water, who want to continue with swimming when they leave, uh, who can go and enjoy the beautiful uh, parts of the Shire and the rest of Australia where they can uh, where they can use the skills that they've learned, but. As well as that, we would like to expand. As we said before, we started with one swim school. An opportunity arose at Bangor, and we've got a second successful swim school now. And we are looking at other areas. Uh, 2020 and the challenges that it's presented has slowed us down a little bit. We were well down the track of uh, looking at a venue in Kingsgrove to open a third swim school. Um, And that's something we want to get back to once... There is a vaccine, and once we know that uh, we won't get shut down periods again, um, that is something we want to do. We want to keep uh, expanding. Uh, we think that uh, we have something to offer that, that a lot of people need, and uh, so we would like to do that. It is very difficult to open a swim school, as you would probably understand. There are a lot of restrictions, there are a lot of guidelines, uh, getting a DA through. Because obviously you have lots and lots of cars turning up at your venue, and there are you need a certain amount of space, and all it, it's very difficult to find a venue that can work. Uh, so we are always on the lookout. We would love to explore other areas to to expand. And uh, for me, yeah, that's that's the future. That's where we'd like to head. What about you, Scott? Are you going to uh, stick around for a few more years, mate?
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm very happy. Here. Um, I've been welcomed with open arms. Um, the communication's been great. Um, I, I've really enjoyed my time here, and and don't see anything changing anytime soon. Um, I love what I do, and I love the people that I work for. So um, I'm happy and comfortable to move forward. You know, in any way
1: possible. Kingsgrove might be a bit far for him to drive. These people in the Shire, and they don't like driving very fast. So. Uh you I'll know, we may have a few issues at that point.
0: I was asked that question myself, like after COVID, and someone said, "How many times have you left the shire since March?" And it, well, I think it was less than a handful. <laughs> so, um, when when you're discussing new ideas, uh, it's quite interesting because you've got two different families as the as the owners, and you're saying with Bangor, you've got a third party involved. So, who who do you bounce the ideas off, and do you have like structured meetings, or are they some gourmet dinners as well?
1: <laughs> well n- most of the time that we meet we actually include scott uh, as well the- there are occasions if we're looking at say a new venue where we won't include scott in those meetings um tomorrow i'm actually meeting up with matt for a coffee there are a couple of other things we wanted to discuss so we do catch up on a regular basis the two families we're always on whatsapp amongst the uh, the, f- the three different families as well as scott we've got uh there's always things that we are talking about, um, but it's it's about respecting each other. We had to learn very very quickly. We all bring different skills to the business. I'm more finance marketing, being a maths sort of guy, whereas Matt and Lisa really understand the, the swimming industry. Um, Matt understands all of the plant and all of that. I wouldn't know the filter from the pump, so I've got absolutely no idea when it comes to all of those sorts of things. So it's respecting each other's skills and abilities, uh, Scott, uh, sorry, uh, Danny has also uh, managed many swim schools, so he brings that element to it. So we've all got different things um, that we can bring to the business. So it's about listening to each other and being upfront and honest, something that we agreed to right from the start is we would always call a spade a spade. If we think we're going down the wrong path or we think that what we're doing is not right, that we would uh, tell each other face-to-face and at times we thrash it out and then we disagree and commit. Um, that's okay. it's all right if we've if we've got it out and we've we don't necessarily always agree, but we can trust whoever it is that's the that's the guru in that particular area, and uh, then we commit uh, to whatever it is that we've agreed upon. Uh, we do obviously have to consult legal people quite regularly with different things, um, and at, at times we've we've had other consultants that we've had to use. Uh, to get advice on different things, such as when we first opened, we needed, we didn't open the first swim school uh, with UV light uh, to treat the water. Now that was uh, a bit of a a bit short-sighted uh, from our point of view, uh, and so that was something we needed to do after the first year. We needed to get UV light in there to be able to. Scott, can you tell us what UV light does for the water?
2: Yeah, it, it's a secondary sanitisation um, system, so we always uh, we have chlorine um, to, to clean the pool, but the UV kills some germs that um, the chlorine doesn't. Um, so outdoor pools don't need a, a UV system because they've got natural sunlight, um, but an indoor pool needs um, something extra just to, to kill some extra germs, the, the microbacterial germs that chlorine can't kill. So it just uh, it, it adds a backup to, to keeping our water clean, um, and it keeps the, the, the smell of the chlorine down, and it just keeps the, um, uh, the pool as safe as it can be.
1: So that was something that we overlooked to start with and uh, all of a sudden we were up for another $60,000 but at that point, (laughs) you learn from that and you realise that you need uh, to consult the experts in these areas and really listen. So lots of communication um, and it's okay to disagree. I think we've got to realise that in a business, you're not always going to agree with each other but that's okay as well.
0: Oh, absolutely. and. You don't need to answer this question if you don't want to. But when you went into this business with Matt and his family, did you put something in place like if either of you decide that you want like want to exit? Like, did you put that in place at the start? Or
1: yes, we did. Yes, we've put in place uh, what would what that would look like financially and what that would look like. Yes. So that's all in place.
0: I just find that's Um, the one step that people frequently overlook, so I was just interested whether you discussed it whilst everyone's on good terms and it's the most important thing to make sure that it all finishes on good terms as well.
1: Yeah, it was actually an accountant who was also giving us a bit of advice at the time at Startup and he said make sure you put something in place, a little shareholder agreement. But if someone wants out in the first two years, what that looks like. If they want out after that, what that looks like. Who gets options to buy each other out? And all of those sorts of things.
0: I'm sure they had a few war stories behind that recommendation too. Uh, ah, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> um so what is your proudest moment so far?
1: Well, well I'll start and I'm sure Scott's got Scott being on the uh, on the ground, uh, at the face, he's probably see, has a lot more proud moments seeing the look on the kids' faces, but I'll let him speak to that in a moment. For me, it was realizing that the business was successful. Uh, a lot of people had told us that it will take you two years to to start making money and that businesses, you know, whatever percentage of businesses fail in their first two years, all of those sorts of things. And so I suppose for us, after two months, we had 500 people, 500 kids coming in for lessons at Kiriwee in our 14 metre pool. Uh, So that was a pretty exciting thing, that after two months we looked and thought, there's already 500 people coming, we're already covering all of our costs, this is going to be successful. Uh, That was a very proud moment for all of us, because it sort of was a lot earlier than we thought uh, that that we would get to that point.
0: And a lovely confirmation of where you thought there was a gap that you you were spot on.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: Okay, Scott, now for you.
2: I've got dozens of proud moments. And and what I love about this job is I'm never going to stop having proud moments. So from a teaching perspective, always hearing the parents' feedback of what their children are doing outside the swim school, um, being at a, a young child doing something for the first time outside of their the, the safe zone of having the teacher there. So gaining a little bit of confidence, jumping into the pool, swimming out to the parent for the first time or Um, if it's from a safety point of view saying, oh, my child fell in and they were able to turn around and swim back to the wall, uh, and then moving to the older kids when they have their swimming carnivals to say, you know, my child won, they broke this record, they won first, um, you know, they were swimming so beautifully. They're, they're the proud moments that the teachers have. Um, I'm proud of, of the staff group that we've got. Um, we've got very energetic, happy people that, that love what they do and they can see, you can see the passion. Um, in their teaching Uh, so that's always proud when I just stand and watch what we do um, seeing the teachers smile and and the the children having a good time and then from a management business point of view I think the the COVID shutdown was very eye-opening we had dozens hundreds of messages of support um, saying you know sorry to hear you've had to shut down we can't wait to come back we're looking forward to it and um, then when we did manage to reopen, there were obviously a lot of restrictions. We had to change things, but everyone was so willing to, to accommodate the new requirements, the new needs, um, and people were so willing to come back because they know how important the job is that we do and their children have such a great time, but they're also learning something that's incredibly, incredibly valuable um, to the children. So I'm, I'm proud of everything I do day in, day out. There's never a day that I don't smile and enjoy what I do.
0: So Scott, I'm going to throw another question at you. So uh, how do you feel when you've got a child and you've sort of taken them as far as you can at your pool, but they love their swimming and they progress to the next, like, I'm imagining there's a touch of proudness, but a touch of sadness all at the same time?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You you develop relationships with with the children and bonds, and you want to see them do well. So, if, if a child gets to the point where they they have to you know move to a fifty meter pool and they, and they're doing squads for you know two hours a day, that's a, that's a proud moment, and I'm happy to see those children um, move to those um, mo- those depths because what I want is children to be happy and safe in the water. So if they continue their swimming. Uh, career you know their aquatic education that's what's important to me if, if I've done my job teaching a young child how to swim and and they grow up to to swim competitively or um, even if it is just for re- just for recreation if they know that they are comfortable and as safe as they can be that's what makes me feel good so yeah, I certainly miss kids um, I've been teaching for 17 years so um, some of the children that I've taught have actually um, also represented Australia in, in you know, junior games and things like that. So it's really w- rewarding to see that. Even though I miss them, um, I'm just so happy of what they've achieved. And it's, it's nice to be part of it.
1: Kirsten, yep. yes, can I give you an example there? I, my daughter, I've got three children. My middle girl, Phoebe, uh, she's uh, in year two. And uh, she, the only swimming she's ever done is through Little Finn Swim School. She's had lots of different teachers at the moment. She's got Amy and she thinks Amy's the greatest. Uh, she had Scott for a while as well. Uh, he came a close second to Amy, but that's okay. That's another story. Um, my Phoebe had her first ever school race earlier in the year at the Grace Point Public School Swimming Championships earlier in the year in her first ever race. We weren't even sure if she could do 50 metres because it wasn't about racing that's not why we got her to to swim, but she dived in and won the race and broke broke the school record in her first ever swimming race. So uh, I can see that um, what they're doing there is pretty impressive. Her stroke is beautiful, and that's thanks to Scott and his team and his programs, and she doesn't want to go anywhere else. She's agreed, though, that as of uh, term one, we're going to go off to the 50-metre pool and do some squads because she does love swimming now, and she wants to see how good she can get. Um, But... She does not want to leave Little Fins, she loves it so much.
0: She might be putting in a a pitch for you to next next pool you buy be a 50-meter pool.
1: (laughs) That's a whole different business plan, we're not not going there. (laughs) Uh,
0: So, you've touched on it already as we were talking about things, because communication obviously has been incredibly important to you, but do you have any communication tips?
1: Oh, look, nothing more than we've already talked about, I don't think, Kirsten. Uh, I think it's just, yeah, just being honest with each other and being uh, okay to challenge each other. They say in a good organisation, there are a lot of factors uh, for an organisation to be successful, but they say the healthiest organisations, and I totally agree with this, is where you feel free to be able to challenge each other unreservedly and say, why are you doing this or what is your opinion? Why are we going down this track? to be able to listen and to challenge each other. And sometimes you have to, if you're challenged by one of the others, go, yeah, I am probably out of line with this, this isn't the way we should be going, or maybe we should be doing this, or employing this person, or... um, So I think my communication tip would be more around uh, being able to challenge each other when we think we're doing things incorrectly, and to be able to uh, respond to that challenge appropriately.
0: So, are you going to hand it over to Scott for the elevator pitch? Oh,
1: absolutely. Okay. And I'm pretty excited to hear about what he's going to come up with here, too. <laughs> this, uh...
0: well, well, you're not here, but I can tell you he's got notes, so that's quite impressive already.
2: <laughs> uh, you weren't meant to say that. This is all off the cuff. Um, so, learning to swim is a lifelong skill. At Little Fins, we, we teach the children the right techniques and essential safety skills from an early age uh, in a safe environment. We, we think it's important to build a solid foundation for the children so they can learn and grow in, in both their confidence and their ability. Um, and we also teach them an understanding and appreciation of the water. Um, the water is not a safe environment. It's not a safe place, but you can make yourself safer. You can make yourself as safe as possible. Um, so it's important that children know... Um, their boundaries and also their abilities um, because these skills will last for them forever. Um, our teachers are highly trained and qualified, um, they're also motivated to get the best out of each child and we understand the need for consistency and quality when it comes to children's learning and development. So we have structured lesson plans, we have small class sizes, each child gets um, a high quality lesson um, and gets the most attention as possible uh, we have supervisors on every shift that assess the children and communicate with the parents. Uh, and most importantly, we care about our families. We, we strive to deliver the best quality uh, swimming experience that we can deliver. Um, and we want our parents to feel comfortable and safe and satisfied um, here at Little Finns.
0: Well, thank you, James and Scott. This has been a fantastic uh, interview podcast. I just, as a swimmer myself, uh, this is actually something really close to my heart is teaching uh, young kids to swim. And in my earlier days when I was a swimmer, I did in my school holidays do a little bit of uh, learn to swim teaching myself. Uh, And one of my... uh, things that I'll never forget but it was an eight-year-old girl who had never learnt how to swim and she was just terrified and so my key takeaway at that point in time was the younger you can start your kids to get used to water the better off you'll be because once they're terrified it's so hard to get them to relax in, in the water so yeah my kids were incredibly young when they started learning to swim because I never wanted them to have that fear of water so thank you for a really fabulous story.
1: Uh, Thank you, and thank you for taking the time to listen and really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much for your time.
0: Wasn't that a great story? It can be difficult ensuring there is good communication within a family, but in the scenario you have two families and a manager, they've done an extraordinary job, ensuring all parties are always on the same page. I'm a believer that the best way to learn is for family businesses to share their honest story. And James did a great job as not every decision is the right one, but as long as you learn from your mistakes, you can build an incredible business just like Little Finn Swim School. So if you have children who need swimming lessons, make sure you contact Little Finn Swim School. Their contact details are in our show notes. Let's get behind these incredible family businesses. Are you enjoying our podcast series? Make sure you subscribe and leave a rating. Our podcast can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes, or you can hop onto our website. If you want to know what is happening next on our podcast, follow us on Instagram, where we're always leaving you with a tease as to what's happening with Keeping in the Family. Thank you for listening to our 10 Questions With series of Keeping in the Family. Join me, Kirsten Taylor-Martin, and my daughter, Angelina Martin, in supporting these incredible Australian family businesses. If you're a family business or would like to nominate a family business, you can contact us on Keeping in the Family on LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram. If you'd like to learn more, you can head to our website, keepinginthefamilypodcast.com.